All right, are you ready? I'm ready. All right, are we going to talk Star Wars spoilers? We should probably not spoil Star Wars yet. Surprise, it takes place in space. A long time ago. But that death. Thanks for listening to the Roman Circus Podcast, a weekly dive into death-defying discussions of Catholic culture, tradition, and history. I'm Matt Baker, and joining me from Arkansas by way of Oklahoma and Texas is the man Zach Mabry. What's up, Zach? Howdy. How's it going? Oh, it's great. If you want to tweet us, you can find us at Roman Circus Pod. I'm at Hey, it's Matt Baker. Zach is at Zach Mabry. No K, just Z A C Mabry. Email us podcast at RomanCircusBlog.com. Find us on iTunes. If you wish to rate and review our show, feel free. Thanks for listening. Zach, how was Christmas for you and the Mabry clan? Well, first of all, okay. you nailed all of those Twitter handles and uh, web addresses and emails. So I was sitting there listening, thinking, oh, he's going to, nope, but you, you got it. So good job. Just got to say. I um, I can't take full credit. I type them into words so I wouldn't screw it up. But, you know, just letting people behind smart. the curtain. That's very smart. Um, well, so for Christmas, actually, I uh, I got to spend it with my family here in Arkansas. So uh, my brother and my parents are here and then, or were here and then, um, my aunt and uncle and cousins. So we had a, a great time and actually another uncle had a, had a baby. And so I got to meet a brand new cousin. She was born, uh, early in the morning on the 27th. So fantastic new addition to the family. That's awesome. It's always nice to have a new youth in the family. What's, uh, what's the weather like in Arkansas? I ask. I, I I'm not trying to make small talk. I'm genuinely curious. Yeah, it's uh, it's cold. It's uh, it's colder here than it gets in Texas. So, um, I, I'm sure you know any of our listeners that are from the you know further north are probably laughing. But sure, you know, when it's down in the 20s and teens, I'm I'm like not loving it. So, but we're staying warm. We're staying inside. What about where did you spend uh, Christmas in Phoenix? Yeah, saw the whole family. It was great. Uh, my cousin got to play with her kids. Her son got a little R2-D2, so we were playing with that and fighting against invisible Darth Vader and invisible the Emperor, so that was fun. Did you fight against Kyle Ren? What did you just say? Kylo Ren? No, Ky- well, yeah. Kyle Ren is, you know, if you just switch the... Uh... The O and the the E oh. and Kylo Ren, and so I've I've started just calling. I think I mean someone was doing this online. It may be this huge thing, and I just saw it. But uh, yeah, Kyle Ron is what I will refer to him as. Is, is that how people always call Tommy Lauren? Like Tammy, Tammy, Le- <laughs> like all all sorts of random names for her. Yeah, you just have to get the T and the L, and then then you're never supposed to do the real name. I I think that started. She was she had called someone out for spelling it wrong. And so people started calling her, you know, Tamagotchi lasagna. And, <laughs> and stuff. Yes. The well, more wild you can be. That was the, that's the meme, I guess. Now that everything is a meme. We did fight off Kyle Ron. It was great. So we, my dad and I, and my mom 
tried to do a puzzle, which was a nativity scene puzzle. And there were so many spaces of just blue and black that it was getting frustrating trying to figure out this puzzle. It was only a 25-piece puzzle, but we're not smart people, Zach. Yeah, well, I mean, as long as you got it done in under two to four years, then you beat the, <laughs> the estimated time on the box. So. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So did you make it to uh, both masses since we had the Sunday-Monday lineup with Christmas? I did. I went to Midnight Mass, which was great. I hadn't been to Midnight Mass in a few years. Actually, I'm... To be honest, I'm not sure when the last time I made Midnight Mass on Christmas was. I know I do it more frequently on Easter, but I went downtown in Phoenix, and uh, my a mutual friend of ours, his wife and his kid were there as well, and his kid made it the entire time and was a zombie after Mass. It was it was cute and sad at the same—not sad, but like uh, I felt for the kid. But yeah, yeah. it was great. It was a— uh, it was cool. It was, you know, it was all dark except for candlelight, which was really fun. I always enjoy that. Wow. Yeah, I um, I went to a midnight mass here. And it was actually a low mass with hymns, and so there was some singing, but otherwise it was a low mass. And because it was so late, a selfish part of me was kind of thankful that it was the, the low mass just because it was, you know, just under an hour and we were <laughs> on our way. Yeah. Um, the, the sermon was about a letter that a seven-year-old boy wrote to Jesus for Christmas. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's this very touching letter. He asks him for, you know, um, a prayer book and a, a robe to say mass. And basically, you know, he wants to, as a seven-year-old, he wants to be able to pretend to say mass at home. And that seven-year-old out, was Kylo Ren. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Yeah, then he went to the dark side. No, this person never went to the dark side. Um, it, was, uh, it was actually Joseph Ratzinger who grew up to be Pope Benedict, and so I thought, well, I've never heard that. That's cool. So I, uh, I, I went out on the Twitters and just kind of posted it, thinking people would surely, maybe find this as interesting as I did. And, yeah. Um. I, I, I never had a tweet get such like a instant response. I think everybody was, you know, blown away. And someone sent me tweeted back at me with an actual photocopy of the letter, and he has much. Uh, seven-year-old Joseph Ratzinger has much better handwriting. Uh, than I do. So pretty cool stuff. Touching letter. Yeah. Well, you need good handwriting if you're going to become Pope. So that's one of the rules. Yeah. I'd heard that. I'd heard that. And we are, but moments away from 2018, what do you got on tap for the new year? Oh man. Um, well, I'm going to, um, you know, I never think of anything until like mid-January. Okay, this is retroactively my New Year's resolution. I'll think, what have I done consistently since uh, <laughs> since the first? Okay, that was my resolution. Um, I was talking more about, are you going to go out for New Year's Eve? Oh, yeah. So um, some of my my good friends in Dallas, we're going to get together and, and celebrate. And so I'm definitely looking forward to that. I haven't seen the crew in a while. You may have heard that normally the octave day of Christmas is a holy day of obligation, but right. um, this year the bishops are, I guess, going to go easy on us, and it's not a sin to miss this year. It's also not a sin to go, so choice <laughs> is yours. Well, that's good. I will do my what has become my New Year's Eve tradition of doing nothing, so 
that will be a thing. But well, you don't want to violate tradition. No, but I. If you want to come to Dallas, you can hang with us. I'm big on tradition, Zach. I no, that would be in violation of my tradition. That's right. That's right. That's right. I would never. Sorry, I would never. Uh, I would never go against the tradition. So I. I resent the invitation. I'm sorry. I appreciate. I appreciate you resending your invitation to me. So, okay, you you started to mention about resolutions. What's are you a resolution guy? Because I I'm not necessarily a resolutions guy. I I do appreciate the idea, but I save all my getting better for Lent. Right. I mean, I. That's the thing. I mean, anything worth doing. I don't know. I've always just thought it seemed kind of silly. And so the last resolution that I did was um, I I resolved to have bacon at least three times a week. <laughs> I mean, you could scroll back through my probably my Twitter feed and find that I you know I, I publicly declared that as my resolution. And I actually didn't I didn't follow through. I know that I didn't live up to that. And so that still weighs on me. Well, there's always this year. This is the year I'm going to do it. But yeah, I mean, you know, I think it's, it's always good to start good habits. And I think if, um, if the first of the year is a, is a good marker for that, then I think that's great. And, you know, I think maybe just generally being better and actually getting to the gym and actually, you know, staying on top of things. I think that tends to, I tend to get, you know, a, a, a gust of wind for that <laughs> each new year. I don't know that. Eh. Gust of wind. I was trying to think of a word, though. A boost. How about that? Yeah. That's, so I think there's there's that. Vibe. A gust of wind is not so much a saying, but you're in luck. I don't oh. know if you know what we're talking about on the podcast today, but we are talking about a resolution of sorts. Huh. One thing we realized is, at least for us, it's kind of daunting to figure out a daily prayer routine. So we kind of wanted to walk through some things that could help with a getting in a good routine of prayer and kind of getting getting yourself in a position where you feel a, at least a little comfortable with the amount of time you put into prayer and the amount of time you have in a day. So Right. Kind of get, a skeleton of sorts that can be adapted and you can kind of grow with it as you go, but it, it's it's sort of general enough that you know pretty much anybody could could grab it and go and you know having come into the church just a few years ago, learning how to weave the faith into my day was something I was very appreciative of, of the advice I got from some good priests and some other friends who were Catholic. And so those, I think, was our motivation behind this episode. Yeah. Right off the bat, let's start with what is commonly held as the obligation for the layperson, which is 15 minutes of prayer a day. So you can either look at that as one 15-minute block, which is a whole bunch, or you can think of it in smaller chunks throughout your day. Right. And that's sort of what they've, you know, through throughout the years, they've kind of theologians and they've discerned it down that, you know, this is sort of the, you know, the bare minimum. Be sure to give back those 15 minutes to God each day. But then, of course, we know that there's, you know, all throughout the world that you have uh, the nuns and you have monks and stuff and they, you know, they barely keep 15 minutes for themselves. But for those of us out in the world, they wanted to make sure we knew 15 minutes is a good, a good baseline. And that could be five minutes in the morning, five minutes after work, five minutes in the evening or, you know, however you take it. Right. And just to make it seem a little less daunting, 
priests are required to pray much more during the day, so we get off easy in this in this agreement. Yep, and I think that's also why we're doing the the episode is because in addition to getting off easy, the trade off is we don't have um, we don't get as much of it sort of we don't have the guidance of you know do this do this do this and so we've got to chart our own path and so here we are right so should we start at the uh morning yeah i was gonna say one final thing is all of this should be run by a spiritual director or priest that you trust because this like we said this is kind of a skeleton so the ins and outs and kind of the finer points suited to your state should be discussed with with a priest you know it kind of because it kind of depends on if you're single or if you're married or married and have kids or what your responsibilities are through the day but let's just go with a general general outline and we can start in the morning so start us off all right it's morning so um, (laughs) no later than 4 a.m no just kidding um the first (laughs) thing that's it's recommended by so many saints and you know you read it in in prayer books and spiritual books and they always recommend, you know, set your alarm and get up, you know, at a, at a standard time. And mm-hmm. anyone that knows me is laughing that I would even say those words because they know that I am not a morning person. But, um, what Zach, I, I have is, good news for you. You are, in fact, a person any time of the day. Really? The <laughs> test came back? <laughs> no. Um, Sorry about that. Continue. That was very, that was a very funny joke. Good try. Thanks. No. Oh, <laughs> so anyway. Um, and then, you know, first thing, the alarm goes off, you know, make the sign of the cross. I'm telling you, it's so hard to do. I, I have no idea why, but for some reason, remembering to do that first thing, like kind of before you've even stood up, is so hard to do. And that's why if anyone has success on that, please tweet at us because I've been trying this for years. And it's still normally, it's not till I get to my alarm that I think, oh, yeah, I said I was going to do that first thing. Yeah. Um, but it just kind of gives that first moment. And then... Um, and then, you know, spend some time in morning prayer. Uh, Matt, you have mentioned there's you have some kind of morning prayers you like to stick with. Well, I so I use I use a morning prayer as alarm clock insurance, basically. So it so I don't lounge around. So when my alarm clock goes off, boom! I immediately stand up and I do the Angelus. That's the first thing I do. Now, if I wake up, say for some reason, if I have to get up at 4, I might hold off. But if I get up at 6 a.m. or later, I'll immediately do the Angelus. Now, if you don't okay. know the Angelus, you can look it up. It's a few prayers and a few we'll Hail even Marys. We'll give you the text in the, the show notes. Yeah, I, I, act, I didn't know what the Angelus was until a few years ago. And then yeah. I follow that up with the morning offering, which is a five second prayer where you basically offer everything within the day to God. It's yep. And there's, that takes a few different forms, but it typically starts with, um, you know, offering and then you kind of name everything for that day, you know, prayers, works, joys, sufferings, you know, all the good and the bad and everything you do that day. Um, you know, you offer that to our Lord and then you, you unite that with the prayers of Mary, with all, all the masses in the world that day and you know first thing you do that and what um what a priest has told me a priest in dallas and I, i've um 
you know, I've seen this reference other places, is that after you do that, you've given sort of a supernatural intention to all, all of all of your work that day. And so as you then go make your bed, for instance, if you're in the state of grace, you'll merit more grace just by doing that because you've offered it. So you're doing that for the Lord and he, he sees that. And yeah. And so that's just a way to kick off the morning. And then some people use that time to just, you know, spend some time in, in more prayer. Maybe they'll, you know, if you have a, a prayer book or a missile, there'll be a front section that's got morning prayers spelled out, you know, all different things. And those are really good as a guide. And, you know, eventually you may go, you know, off script with it, but it's so nice to get, to have the words in front of you to help, help you know what you can say. It's kind of like, you don't know if you're at a restaurant, you don't know what you can order until you've looked at the menu. And so it kind of helps broaden your, the scope of what you may be praying for when you see some, some written prayers. So, so the, the alarm has gone off. You, you didn't reach for the snooze button. You prayed the Angelus in a morning offering. Did you do that before you, uh, you know, get dressed and stuff for the day or just right when you get out of bed? Yeah, I, I try and do it immediately. Like, a, I sounds weird, but it's like a spin out of bed into something motion. Nice. Yeah. The other thing that helps first thing is, uh, and I do this, is I throw back a glass of water. A lot of times if you're super exhausted, it could just be that you're uh, dehydrated. Right. And I even had a priest recommend, you know, the night before. So before you go to bed, make a cup of coffee, set that by your alarm clock across the room. If you're not a morning person, like I'm not a morning person. And then when you go to turn off the alarm, you throw back the cup of coffee, which has gotten cold overnight. So it's, um, so it's gross. It's disgusting. It's it's, it's not, uh, yeah, it's not delicious, but it doesn't burn you. Mm -hmm. Um, so you know, that's works. And then after doing that, you're awake, do the, you know, do your quick prayers and then go about your day. Totally different start. You know, I think up until I started doing that, what I always did and what I think is totally normal is alarm goes off, reach for your phone, start scrolling. Yeah. You know, how many likes did I get? Did I get any emails? Who texted me? Right. The good part about this is there's no correct way of doing it. If you, want to drink gross coffee you can do that if you want to spin out of bed you can do that if you want to get dressed you can do that the the other good thing about prayers is you can do it say before meals that counts as prayer you can pray when you leave the house it, it's there's no official way you don't have to be so structured that you do it at this this and this which is i I think I can. Re- I recommend maybe some structure, but you can basically pray whenever. Right. I always think the structure is sort of like your. Um, you know, when you go to the gym, you've got the things that you do because you know they work. Right. And then, but if you feel like you know doing a pickup basketball game, you're going to do that, and that's exercise too. And so you know, there's the structure helps support the the non-structured things. Because if you weren't if you weren't working out, you wouldn't be any good when you want to go. You play on your own time. Right. So, okay. So morning's off to a good start. You've, uh, you probably knock off a few minutes of your 15 if you're counting. Now, I mean, there's no need to, to worry too much about, you know, I, I don't recommend starting a timer and stopping it and trying to get 15 minutes, but you get a few minutes going in the morning. Um, sure. Pray the Angelus. A quick note on that, by the way, mm-hmm. is that uh, during Easter, the 50 day season, you replace the Angelus with the, uh, Regina Chele, 
Right. So we'll put that prayer up too, in case you're listening to this during the Easter season. But um, the the Angelus is one you can take with you because the tradition, the you know the, they'll say six noon and six. You pray at six a.m. noon, six p.m. But a lot of people will interpret that as you know you pray it when you wake up, you pray it midday, midday. around noon, and then you know in the evening after work. Right. Um, I always, you know, like to to sort of adjust the the fixed times around natural movements in the day, like getting up, getting home from work, because those are when you sort of transition from thing to thing, and it's a good time to like get some prayers in. Right. So, so yeah, you've got your morning going. You're you're heading to your activities, whether that's work or school or labor camp, um, <laughs> whatever you're doing. Um, and there's, you know, there's some good points during the day that you may want to turn back to prayer. A, a, a key one, a, a good marker for when to say a prayer is whenever you uh, eat, say the, the right. grace before meals before you eat. Um, you know, don't be afraid to make the sign of the cross at, at work in the cafeteria or at a restaurant. Obviously don't, you know, draw, but don't stand up on your chair and, you know, make this big ostentatious show of it, but just, oh, yeah, we don't want you know, that. Right, but you know, no need to worry about doing that. People are are pretty respectful of that, and you you never know who who you could inspire. I I, I don't say this in any way to brag. I had a coworker um, come up to me. I, I hadn't even I had never mentioned the faith at work. I never talked about. It. I was still new, so I didn't even hadn't didn't put up like a, a crucifix in my cube or anything. Yeah. But he said that he noticed whenever we went to lunch that I always you know, said a prayer and he, he said he was just so inspired by that. And mm-hmm. uh, I thought that was interesting because I just hadn't even thought of it. So you're not necessarily doing it for that, but that's another perk is, you, you know, you never know who's looking for a reminder of God that day and might, might see you there saying a quick prayer before you have your Big Mac. Right. And there you go. Sweet. Praying at meals. Um, before meetings, actually, I got, I stole this from one of our friends, Matt, from good old Bug, mm-hmm. is... Uh, before a meeting, pray the litany of humility. We can put a link to that, but it's just got some different petitions about you know staying humble and not wanting your ideas preferred over others just because they're yours. And there's a great set of intentions to go into a meeting as far as daytime prayers. Those are all solid. Another thing, if it pops into your mind to say an Our Father, you can say that then if it pops into your mind at any random point because those are all those are all moments of grace that you can pick up throughout the day that you don't want to let slide by. Mm-hmm. Now I'm um, saying Joseph is the patron saint of work. And so a lot of times if I'm having trouble focusing at work or I, I feel like I'm not getting anything done, I'll just stop, take a breath, you know, ask for some help from St. Joseph and, you know, dive back in. So that's a, a good saint to take to work with you. It is. Can I kind of direct us into the big three of daily prayer. Now I, I, I'm coining it the big three. There's no official big three mark on these things, but it's ro- the rosary meditation and spiritual reading. So I think those are, those are three important things that you should try and do during the day at some point. Yes. And so those are kind of your floaters. They don't necessarily have to be tied to morning or, or evening, but um, you know, a lot of saints and, especially numerous priests that I've encountered either in confession or, or in, in conversation have recommended, you know, make time 
each day for the rosary, do a few minutes, a few pages of spiritual reading and, and then make a meditation. Um, now Matt will deny this, but he is quite good at saying his rosary each day and, um, has you know made that a habit that he's really stuck with. So maybe you can give us some tips and let us know how we can adopt that same habit. I just needed one thing that I knew I could do without fail every day. And I had to pick, I, instead of picking a bunch of things, I just had to pick one thing. And I decided that it would be the rosary because it's really not hard. And you can do it at your house. You can do it while you're sitting in traffic. You can break it up into five different pieces during the day. You can break it up into two different pieces during the day. It's basically a... Can you pray it here or there? You can pray it here or there. You can pray it anywhere. You can pray it in a boat. You can pray it on a moat. You can pray it in a car. You can pray it from afar. Well, you've got the whole book memorized. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's kind of been the one thing that I've decided I will do every day. And I think it's a good thing because it's basically referred to as our as a weapon against the the demons, a weapon against the the evil doers, as yeah. Will Ferrell's impression of so George like the... W. Bush would say. <laughs> Solid. Um, yeah. but also just against the you know the times like the temptation to just be lazy or only think about ourselves and mm -hmm. you know, for me I have uh, whenever I've uh, haven't been good with with keeping up with my rosary I'll overthink it and I'll think oh I don't have two hours to devote to this and so I'm I just way too hard to do right and I'll, I'll make it out to be this very time consuming very difficult thing mm -hmm. because when you hear how helpful it is you just assume you know proportionally it must be super hard it must just be impossible and i'll get that mindset and i'll think oh i better not now because i'm gonna have to leave for work in an hour and so um you know i always it kind of reminds me of um i'm gonna use a, this is just such a lame comparison but, uh it reminds me of yogurt versus gogurt okay <laughs> there's not actually a huge mobility problem with yogurt and right. there never was uh, so gogurt was never necessary. You never heard about people who I, you know, unfortunately, I can't come to work today because I opened some yogurt. Right. And so, and then suddenly, once gogurt happened, everybody was freed from that. Anyway, terrible reference, and um, sorry for everyone listening that you had to sit through that. But a lot of times, I'll think, oh, I just can't possibly say the whole rosary; it'll take all day. And uh, reality is, when I do it, I realize it can take fifteen minutes. Or, you know, our lady could call you to deeper contemplation and you could spend quite a bit of time, but it's, that's fruitful time, you know? Sure. You, I, I know a family that goes on rosary walks. They just walk outside and say the rosary and it's not that difficult oh, a cool. thing. A great priest here in Los Angeles said that he will say it in traffic because in Los Angeles you spend a lot of time in traffic or so I've heard. Yeah. So you when could... I, I was working crazy hours at my first uh, job after college, and what a priest said is he said, well, you're driving to work each day. That's a rosary. Just, you know, do it then. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, you know, obviously, you know, yes, if you if you can make it to adoration and pray, you know, on your knees in front of the Blessed Sacrament, that's great, and you should do it. But it's, it's absolutely something you can do on the way to work, um, especially when you're busy 
and it, it, uh, you know, it produces a natural effect too. I mean, obviously we're doing it for supernatural reasons, but it, it does produce a certain calming effect on the natural level that, you know, can be good. For right. Your I think it's good because it's repetitive. So it gets us in a certain state and it's something familiar. So it's not, you know, a, a bunch of crazy prayers coming out of left field. It's something we're all very familiar with and it, it's repetitive. So it kind of gets us in a structured format. We, we could, I, I say we do a, we can do a whole episode on the rosary, breaking down the mysteries and breaking down all that stuff. But if you don't have a great familiarity with it, look it up because there's a lot of great things that go into the actual rosary. But yeah, I think we should probably do a, a actual episode on that sometime. Oh, we totally could. I, I, I'm thinking it was it's like Pope Leo wrote multiple encyclicals about it. So there's a lot that can be said and yeah, enough for at least the whole podcast episode and more. We we can, uh, I keep adding to this, what we're going to put in the show notes. We can put a link to like a, a how to yeah. so that we don't, we won't necessarily go into that right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, praying five, five decades or, you know, five groups of the 10 Hail Marys and our father each day is kind of the recommended dose. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, it's something people recommend doing rain or shine. And, you know, a priest that I've spoken to about this has said, you know, the worst rosary is the rosary left unsaid. And so oh. even if, even if you're, you know, even if it, if it isn't what you just want to do, even if you're just doing it because you made a promise that you would, it, it's such a good exercise spiritually and, and mentally to do. And he said, you know, don't, don't worry that maybe you, you don't have, you know, these fantastic meditations on each of the mystery every time, just, you know, just say it. And, um, you know, I think people who work out, you'll have to vouch for, I, don't, I have no idea, but I've heard <laughs> that, you know, not every day at the gym is, is the best day at the gym, but if you skipped all the bad days, you wouldn't have any good days. Sure. But sure. I, again, I, that's all, that's all hearsay for me, but <laughs> right. Okay. Let's, the and then the next let, thing, wait, I, what were you going to say? Cause I was going to say we should talk about spiritual reading. Actually, that's what I was going to say. Whoa. Okay. Perfect. Um, so yeah, as you, uh, you know, after, after the rosary, the next thing that's recommended is spiritual reading. Um, one thing I, I want to caution with though, is that, and I, I had priests, I had a priest say this to me and it, it just blew my mind that I hadn't realized this is that, you know, going online and reading about current events, you know, this bishop said this, or, or the Pope said that, that is not spiritual reading. That's, right. um, you know, and that can be a good thing being informed, you know, according to your state in life, but it's, you know, it's not in any way, uh, an, a form of spiritual reading to read, you know, blogs about current events in the church, but, you know, spiritual reading is reading that's supposed to turn your mind towards God. And, you know, most spiritual works are, are completely timeless and, you know, can be read centuries after they were written and still be very fruitful. Right. The the blogs the blogs don't count. And it also this is a Catholic podcast, so we will be up front, but spiritual reading has to be some sort of Catholic reading. Right. I you know, right. I, I don't want it to sound harsh, but there's plenty of good reading out there, but you want to make sure preferably that it's something that a saint has written or 
I am quite fond of Fulton Sheen and Frank Sheed. They are they are pretty great. Oh yes, in uh, in recent decades, there's just Frank Sheed has no peers. Uh, completely, completely peerless. He's excellent. Um, just, I mean, fantastic. You would think he was from you know an age of great faith. Um, just the way that he's so able to to spell it out. Right. The book, the first book I read of his was called A Map of Life. It's a short read, but it's fantastic. It gives you this overview of of the spiritual life of the world of God. I mean, it's so good. I, I, I started, they were in those little free book stands yeah. in the back of my parish and I just kept snatching them and giving them to people and like begging them. I was like harassing them about reading. I was like, you have to read this. You have to read this. It's, it's good. That's pretty great. Um, so yeah, I, I second that recommendation. And, and then the first part I was our, our parish, the jokes that are, it's not really a joke, but the, the quip that our priest gives us is always, you can read any book you want as long as the author's name starts with ST period. Yeah. And you know, the saints, they, they figured it out. They, they made it. And so I, you know, there's nobody better to learn from than the source. So I think that's great advice. Um, and one thing with the saints is you're not going to enjoy the writing of every saint. So if you find a saint you enjoy, stick with it. I, you know, I, is that you know what I'm trying to say? Is that fair to say? Like oh yeah, it... no, I have a friend. I'll... Tangent. Sorry, we're need like a buzzer where you yell at me about this. But she has just always said that for most of her life, that Saint Therese, the little flower, just never clicked for her. Right. And she said she felt like she was this mean, horrible person. And then she found out that Saint Therese had that to say about quite a few other saints, and okay. she didn't feel bad anymore. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, you I mean. And that's important that when you pick up a book, I mean, you'll notice if you have a habit of not following through, that's one thing. But if you've been, you know, just trying to trudge through a book and it's just awful to you and it's not fruitful, then, you know, I mean, give it to someone who it might be and then, you know, find something else. Don't don't torture yourself through a book that is just not clicking. I um, I bought the complete works of St. John of the Cross a few months ago and I went to start it. And it has no page numbers, which of course. made it, <laughs> yeah, which made it instantly so intimidating to me that I couldn't do it. it. I have to go back to it, but just the fact that it didn't have page numbers freaked me out. Is that is that completely irrational? Um, no, maybe <laughs> no. That's that's interesting that it wouldn't have page number i mean is it does are the paragraphs numbered no no it's like oh it's, a lot of times and that's such a weird thing but any any books that were written before yeah maybe the 70s even will have every paragraph is numbered but i've never seen where the pages I, are yeah I, I can't do it if you were to i can't recommend a good part of that book because i don't know what page it would be on zach and i don't know what paragraph well for epiphany i'm sending you a bookmark yes thank you no i have a bookmark so with spiritual reading the goal is not to sit there and read 50 to 100 pages of this book. It's if you read five successfully, that can suffice. Now you want to push yourself and you want to grow, but when you're starting out, uh, five pages of a good book is good for the day. Oh yeah. And my, you know, my former roommate, his father and you know, his father, they have, 
there's eight children in their family. Mm-hmm. He's a, a very devout Catholic. He would deny that, of course, but I, I think he just he just grasps holiness, in mm-hmm. my opinion, as an outside observer. He always talks about that. His term he uses is you know launch you into outer space. So if, if you read something in a in a book and it launches you to outer space, isn't it? You know you start you know thinking about about God. You know you start you know diving into it. Then yeah, I mean stop reading and and just continue on that train. Right. You know, and that's what you're, you know, you're looking for that. And, um, some titles, I don't know if you want to like give a few recommendations for places to look, but the first one I ever read and I love it. I mean, I'm going to reread it this year. I guess that can be my new year's resolution is, um, introduction to the devout life by St. Francis de Sales. Right. I read that this past year. Nice. It's good. Mm -hmm. Um, the caveat I would give is that, you know, I think it was originally written maybe in French, if not Latin. Mm-hmm. And so the English, there's several English translations and they're not all created equal. And so <laughs> you want to be careful with translations because right. there was a very bad phase in the sort of science or art of linguistics from about the you know, 60s until the 90s and even beyond. And so there's some really good publishers though that that have good versions. One of them that's safe in almost every case is Tan Tan Classics, and then Baronius Press, which is the one that, that I'm ordering. Um, and we'll if we include links, we'll do ones that we've kind of checked. Father Zulsdorf on his blog will talk about uh, translations for books that have been widely translated. And then if you find a good priest that um, you can ask, they can kind of do a little digging. And find out, but mm. I've, I've seen side by side comparisons of certain books, and it's shocking how it's rendered in certain translations. Wow, it just takes all the life out of it. In some of those super moderny ones, yeah. Um, but some of the ones that have come out in the last few years have actually been really good, good. at correcting whatever that mindset was going on for a while. Yeah, I'll have to look and see what version I have. That that's a that is a good book. I found that to be a pretty easy read, easy in quotes, you know, as easy as it can be. And one of the books I've enjoyed the past few years is Fulton Sheen's book, The World's First Love, a book about Mary. It's mm-hmm. it's really great. I really loved that book, and I gave it to my family. One of the many books I've given to force them to read it, and I think a few of them have. That would, yeah, that's a good one, too. There's, there's a few others. But you confession by St. Augustine yeah. comes to mind is a, a classic, um, the story of a soul by, uh, Therese of Lisieux, um, the seven story mountain, Teresa of Avila. Those are coming to mind as good saints, but you know, you're looking for, you know, looking for a saint or, mm-hmm. you know, in recent times, you know, Fulton Sheen has not been, not been canonized yet, but he's, um, you know, in the popular mind is a saint and he's well on his way to sainthood. Right. He, he'll uh, be the first saint to ever win an Emmy. Right? Oh wow! Did he? Re- oh yeah, he did. Because so. yeah, he won. He won Emmys because of his television show in the fifties. Yeah, no, I think so. And actually, um, we talked about you know, to a certain extent, taste will come into play, and mm-hmm. there'll be books that just don't quite click. And I know that you know one of one of our friends, Matt, has said that most books he he just doesn't quite click with them. But he'll actually read the Summa, Saint Thomas. Yeah, he'll read the Summa and read an article that, and that will be you know, what he, he'll do and that that is very fruitful for him. He doesn't view that as like reading a dictionary. Like some people might for him, it's very fruitful. So, you know, there's a lot of options and 
there's a million ways to be a saint. And so you can look at any number of saints and what they've written and find ones that work and you can test them out. A lot of them are in the public domain. So you can at least find a sample online before you buy right. or, you know, we have a bookstore in our parish, other parishes have started doing that. And then of course the Baronius press website and tan classics are, are just great. So one thing I like to do is I'll read some, something, some Catholic spiritual reading, and then I'll read some fluff also just to kind of balance myself out because I, if you just are constantly trying to read, uh, you know, Frank sheet over and over and over and over and over and over, and you don't give yourself a break, it might all blend together. So for, for instance, I am reading a book about Michael Jordan and the bulls right now. So you don't, we're not saying that you can't read fluff. You have to read some of the stuff to try and advance your spiritual life as well. Right. But this is sort of a specific, you know, exercise that you want to do. And then, yeah, I mean, keep reading and learning. I mean, I like to read, um, you know, kind of productivity, um, you know, self, self, uh, not self-help, but like, you know, self-maximizing maybe type books. Uh, like Tim really Ferriss. Like Tim Ferriss. Yeah. yeah. I mean, most of, a lot of his stuff is I, I have liked and, you know, different things like that. But, you know, those don't count. You know, those aren't going to feed my soul the way that spiritual reading will. So, you know, you just do both. Right. Okay. So the rosary and spiritual reading are good because the next thing we're going to talk about is meditation and both of the previous things can actually help with meditation. I think the misconception with meditation is you have to sit in the middle of the room with your legs crossed and then think about, I don't know, yourself or like your place in the world. But with the rosary and spiritual reading, meditation can actually be you're meditating on one of the mysteries. So you could meditate on the presentation of our Lord to the temple. You can think of basically who was there, what are they saying and what are they doing? Right? So meditation is not some like in-depth crazy meditation. Now, granted you can get to different levels, but when you're starting out, you can pick a specific thing and just think about basically who is there, what are they doing and what are they saying? And mm -hmm. even spiritual reading, if you read, say you find something on the first page that blows your mind, you can actually meditate and try and think about what you just read. Med meditation is kind of a buzzword, but I think it's also a misunderstood word, too, slightly. Right. Because it always involves, you know, considering something or, or, or contemplating something. There's right. always sort of a, an object, mm -hmm. um, either something you've read or... You know, a classic example with St. Teresa of Avila is uh, she would she would meditate on on the Our Father and she would just go line by line, you know, Our Father. And she would meditate on that who art in heaven and she would meditate on that. Mm -hmm. um, lead us not into temptation. You know, one of the, the key points in that prayer and she would meditate on that. Um, that's it's always you're kind of, um, you know, I always think like if you, you know, if you're eating, you're kind of savoring some some salient point related to God or one of his saints or some divine truth. Right. Uh, and there's books that can, you know, any of the spiritual reading that you're doing will probably, it, it should help you get there. And then there's some books that are specifically geared towards that. Um, the Imitation of Christ is 
it's broken up into bite-sized pieces where you can read one little section and meditate on that. Right. Um, Divine Intimacy is a good one that a lot of people, I think that book has made a lot of saints because it's broken up by the year. There's a reading for each day of the liturgical year, so it, it blends with the seasons. And it, you know, it complements what you're hearing at Mass. And so... Um, if you were to read out of that every day, don't think of that as boring. That's consistent. That's a good routine. Divine intimacy. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's there's no requirement to find endless novelty. You know, if you find a book that like divine intimacy and you that's what you want to do every day, do that every day. And if sure. you get to the end of it and want to start over, start over. I mean, this is this is totally you know, I mean, God's the one that decided the sun would come up and down and up and down and up and down. I mean, clearly <laughs> yeah. repetition is totally okay with him. Um, right. We should never help. think we're we're better at something than we are. So it's a very humble thing to acknowledge that reading out of divine intimacy every day is what you are capable of at this moment. Right. Um, you know, and a, a way to think of it, too, is it's it's sort of the second level of of prayer. So the first level is vocal prayer. Vocal That's, prayer, right. You know, um, the rosary is kind of a blend because you contemplate the mysteries, but, you know, a vocal prayer is the Our Father, a vocal prayer, you know, the Hail Mary. And whether you say those out loud or you, you say them you know, silently in your head, that's still vocal prayer. And then, you know, mental prayers, you, know, you don't necessarily have a, a script, but you're, you know, you're, you're considering, you're contemplating, you're sort of savoring mm-hmm. a point. Right. So, you know, with God. And that's sort of where you go. And then, you know, there's higher levels and maybe one day we can do an episode on that. It's kind of hard if you're not a contemplative to really yeah. speak from experience on those. So we'd basically be reading. So maybe not, but uh, that's, <laughs> yeah. it's a way to look at it. Is it's sort of the next level above the vocal prayers. Cause uh, I, I mean, I think there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of practices that are super trendy today that are called meditation that are, are not, you know, they're not meditation in the in the true sense in the in the Christian, you know, in the Catholic sense. And so, um, you know, the saints who are excellent at that, the doctor of, of prayer meditation is Saint Teresa of Avila. And right. her books, I mean, she just spells it out. Um, there's the book The Ways of Mental Prayer, which reads like an instruction manual. But when for me, I find that so helpful. I mean, it just talks through, you know, here's what to do to to pray and to meditate. And yeah. you know, if you're if you're struggling here's some things that maybe you're doing to, you know, defeating yourself. You told you me, to want... Oh, sorry. What? No, go ahead. I was going to say, did were, you told me, was it St. Teresa Avila that used to wait for the bell to ring oh, so she yeah. could stop praying? Oh yeah. No, that's, that's so important to mention. Yeah. So when she was a not, when she was a nun, mm-hmm. um, when she was first starting out, you know, before she was the doctor of prayer for the universal church, she, she said in her writings in her diary that she would just wait for, you know, they'd be in prayer and the bells would ring to tell them that they could stop and it was time for, you know, work or, or meal or something. And she would just be waiting for that bell to ring. Yeah. So it's absolutely totally acceptable to set a timer and right. you're not failing. If you're sitting there thinking, is that timer going to go off? It's completely, totally fine. If I mean, you I can, just... if you can spend five straight minutes in mental prayer your first time out, then you are way ahead of the game. Yeah. I mean, think that, you know, the disciples had spent every day of the last three years 
in the presence of God and they fell asleep in an hour. So <laughs> cut yourself some slack. If, I mean, I think five minutes can be, it, it can be very, it can just be, it can be tiring, you know, sure. um, fruitful. And it's, it's in the long term, it's energizing, but in the short term, you're kind of like, wow, I mean, this is, this is work. And so, you know, have patience with yourself. And I, I think there's sort of a, a bias towards that. You have to have, it has to be spontaneous and there has to be, novelty and and you know it can't be too planned or repetitive but right realistically it's you know any relationship involves repetition i mean and marriage, having children taking care of an elderly relative it, there's there's a uh, a rhythm to it there's repetition right so i would also suggest that you know what you are going to meditate about before you try to meditate because then you will, if you don't know what you're going to meditate about, your mind will just bounce around for a few minutes until you realize you haven't actually thought about anything at all. So mm -hmm. that is one thing I would say. Yeah, that's that's all good stuff. So those that, are the big three. Right. The, the main, I will repeat the main disclaimer of the episode is don't take our word for it. Talk to a priest or spiritual advisor about what works best for you because they'll have an idea of what you can handle and what you should be doing. Don't try and bite off more than you can chew at the beginning because then you'll just be depressed and you might stop. So right. run everything by a priest you trust. And yeah, and I've got a lot of questions from people um, randomly because we've talked about this outside about how how to do that and because mm -hmm. um, they're like, I don't have a spiritual director and I don't. You know, and it, a lot of priests will say you don't necessarily need one as your as your first kind of starting out and developing a prayer life, um, but maybe you do. But in the confessional, just go, just walk into the confessional and, and talk about this with the priest. There's nothing, um, you know. I mean, if it's the five minute confession before mass and there's 20 people behind you, maybe that's not the time. Right. But you know, if you have a time that there's a priest and you can catch them, just talk to them there and they'll ask questions about your state in life if you're married or single or in religious life mm -hmm. or whatever but you you don't necessarily have to start interviewing spiritual directors and, and checking references and setting up appointments you know just just waltz right into the confessional right okay so as we're winding down the day this is a good thing to do at night that i will admit straight away i do not do i am not good at this I hope to be better at it, but it is a nightly examination of conscience. Yes. Which I know you're big on. Why don't you talk a little bit about this? Well, I think it's the key to uh, restful sleep, first of all, mm -hmm. is because you you you've already you've taken an honest look at at your day, and you you know you've admitted it, and I think that so much it's just it's so easy to fall asleep once you've done that because you can. You can refer it all to God, and, and then you can can lay down. But basically, um, you know, at the end of your day, before bed, you can, um, you know, just take a moment, you know, say a few prayers to uh, get started, and then just examine examine your conscience. Look through the day. You know, mm -hmm. what did you, what were your successes, you know, morally? What were your failures morally? What was there? Um, I think that sometimes we'll be, uh, biased towards the things that, you know, are moving our feelings the most or the things that, you know, maybe there's, you know, that are popularly being discussed. And so I think it's good to have a more kind of systematic objective right. approach where you take, you know, 
there's different ways to do it. You can take the Ten Commandments and just go one by one, mm-hmm. or you can take the seven capital vices slash seven deadly sins and just kind of go through. You know, pride was a right. pride. Um, you can take the you know the or you can flip it and do the virtues. You know, was I prudent? Was I, you know, this or that? Um, we'll post a link to a um, examination of conscience recommended to us by a priest that, that we know um, that you can print out and. You know, going through that and taking inventory and I think doing it in front of a crucifix, too, because, you know, if you're like me and maybe you were not the best at getting your homework done, you know how to make excuses. <laughs> yeah. And you know that nobody would dare question your excuses in most cases. Sure. But um, when you're, you know, when you're looking at a God and um, you're seeing how much he loves you, you, you also know that he knows already everything that you've you know, thought or done and you can't get anything past them at all. And so it, it helps you be honest. I would you know? even say that if you can't do all of these that we've been talking about, and I'm not suggesting you should right off the bat, but a nightly examination of conscience is a good place to start. If you were going to pick just one thing to do, you can start with that because yeah, it sounds funny, but if you live a completely depraved day, that will help you kind of reform your day, and then will lead to some of these other things. I don't, I, oh, so, yeah. I don't think I, that's way off base, right? No, I mean, and and realistically, the, the if you if you have done something that you're not proud of or that you know you shouldn't have done, the one thing that makes it worse is lying to yourself about it, right? You know. Being able to know honestly what your faults are is very freeing. I mean, it it is very freeing, and it allows you to patiently work with yourself, and it keeps you from judging others because Scripture warns us that we can see other people's faults easier than we can see our own, and it helps you to to you know not fall into that trap. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, after you've made your examination, you can pray um, the act of contrition. And also maybe a prayer of thanksgiving for all the sins you didn't commit and all the, you know, the, the moments of grace that you had. Um, and then, you know, you can rest easy after that. You've, 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 given it, you've given it up to our Lord and you've acknowledged it and, you know, you've, you've set on the right path and you're about to go to bed and next morning start this cycle over again. Cycle over um, again. Shout- it's a good practice for confession too because yep. you've, you've been doing it and you've thought, you know, when you go into confession, of course, we know you've got to take your mortal sins if you have any, but you can also make a habit of going and talking about, um, you know, venial sins or, or, you know, temptations that you have, or, you know, you can, you can talk to the priest about where you are excelling, but where you need help and, you know, take the grace from the sacrament and apply it to those things. You know, you don't have to, you know, they joked with us that you don't have to wait till you've committed a mortal sin to go to confession. It's there for you, um, to help you move forward in the spiritual life at all, at all times. Exactly. And just as a side note, we should all be striving to get to confession. I would say once every two weeks is the recommended. recommended yeah, that's recommended, thing. especially because, you know, if you're wanting to earn indulgences, um, you'll, you know, you'll need to have been to confession within, I think eight days before or after. Yeah. And so that means that keeps you always sort of within that window where you can be doing that. And, um, you know, it's just a good way to stay, you know, just to, to stay on, on track. Right. Uh, 
you know, it's it's nice to go. The the other phrase they use at our parish is go before you have to go so that you never have to go. Um, so that there's, you know, we know that we, we go to confession for any mortal sins, but there's nothing that, that stops you from going and, and getting that help, that assistance, whenever you need it. Sure. Um, you have to understand, though, of course, that, you know, your past sins are forgiven if you've confessed them. You don't have to, you don't need additional forgiveness. You know, if, if it's venial, you you don't need to, to you have to understand that part before you can really benefit from, you know, kind of the devotional confessions. Right. You should know the mechanics of it. And I think most, I think the vast majority of people easily can grasp that. It's, it's pretty um, set in stone and the priest will be watching for anything. You start to veer off course, you know, they'll say, Hey, you know, lighten up on yourself. You maybe you're being too hard on yourself or they'll say, Hey, you know, you might have a blind spot. Have you thought of this? Mm-hmm. It's interesting if you start working with the same confessor, how they'll start to, um, they'll start to notice patterns and they'll know how you, how you work and they'll be able to catch all your tricks. So that one's good. So then I think that's a pretty good overview. We had what morning, daytime and night, uh, morning prayer, Angelus, uh, daily or morning offering, um, you know, praying at meals and in some prayers to do during the day your uh your big three the rosary spiritual reading meditation and then your nightly examination i think that's a pretty uh pretty catholic day there's maybe only uh one or two other things we could talk about that would would add to it but i think that's a pretty solid day and you can take that with you wherever you go the other thing the church gives us the opportunity is to go to mass daily oh yeah so that's a great place to uh obviously encounter God and you can spend that time if it's usually a low mass during the week. So silence. So you can use that time to meditate or pray a rosary, um, before going to communion. And then of course there's, if your parish has adoration, um, but you know, we wanted to make sure to start with a, a list of recommendations that you can take on the road with you. But if, uh, if you can make it to mass, you know, all the better and adoration, of course, if you can make it to that, I, I know a priest that says, even if you just pop in for two seconds, he says it's so good to just just see, you know, be in the same room as the tabernacle, as as the Eucharist, mm-hmm. you know, every day. It's his. He recommends that. I I, I myself have not um, had the best track record, but he he says it's worth even if you just pop your head in, say hi and bye, and and go if that's all you can do. So I, I thought that was neat. If you live, you know, if your circumstances allow, but obviously we know what our obligations are with regards to mass and. Most of us, our state in life doesn't really allow for us to go every day, but it's there if you can. Yep. Saints of the Good Week. Thing. Saint All right, Thomas so Beckett. Thomas Beckett. Thomas Feast Day, December 29th. Yeah, he's the Archbishop of Canterbury and Mortar. Martyr, sorry. Uh, he upheld the liberty of the Catholic Church, and as a result, the Knights of King Henry II murdered him during prayer. And then later, King Henry VIII, the great man that he was, had his body dug up and desecrated. The King Henry VIII ordered them to destroy Beckett's bones and ordered that all mention of his name be obliterated. The liberty of the church is always threatening to a tyrant. There's nothing more threatening to a sort of tyrant dictator Mm -hmm. government than the Catholic Church and the liberty of the Catholic Church. And so whenever they start to try to... um, encroach on the church's liberty and and 
claim any sort of jurisdiction over the church, um, that's when you know, that's when you know that that you, that should be a red flag about any any political figure, any type of government. It's mm. not it's not unique to a democracy, to a monarchy, to a you know anything. I mean, it's any form that once they start to try to cross that line, that's a red flag. And with this fantastic martyr. Um, to remind, I mean, martyred twice, basically. That's the way it's referred to. When, sure. they, when they went and dug him up, that's referred to as the second martyrdom. And they somehow saved, like, his arm. So they do have a little reliquary with, with his arm or maybe the ashes from his arm. Yeah. But most of it was lost by um, Henry VIII. I want to close out with some words by St. Alphonsus LaGuardia, patron saint of dirty airports. St. <laughs> Alphonsus LaGuardia. Very good. St. Alphonsus Liguori. (laughs) Acquire the habit of speaking to God as if you were alone with God. Speak with familiarity and confidence as to your dearest and most loving friend. Speak of your life, your plans, your troubles, your joys, your fears. In return, God will speak to you. Not that you will hear audible words in your ears, but words that you will clearly understand in your heart. These may be feelings of peace, hope, interior joy, or sorrow for sin, gentle knockings at the door of your heart. I had a priest mention this to me the other day, and I was trying to get out of the conversation as quickly as I could so I could remember to write this down. And yeah, I mean, nothing nothing you can add to Alfonso Saguar. He's the man. All right, Zach. Well, good work this week. Thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks, guys. You now uh, you have all these uh, ideas about prayer. Be sure to uh, spare some prayers for us, and we'll be praying for you. Yeah, and we'll see you in 2018. When someone comes up to you and says, can you believe it's 2018 already? You say, yes, I can, because last year was 2017, and I know numbers. Don't do that. That's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. See ya. See ya.